Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed, and this episode of the Force Center Podcast Feed is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep into the idea of a connected galaxy. What do we mean by that? We'll tell you in a moment. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsock. Is it too big? Too small? Just right. This is the Goldilocks and the Three Bears of Star Wars Connected Canon episode today. Now I just want to see that story, but it's a Yoda's uh, root leaf stew. 
which I was rewatching that scene of Empire Strikes Back where he is, uh, you know, trying to make his stew for Luke. And I always forget that he says, good, hot. (laughs) (laughs) He's really upselling that root leaf soup. Uh, Anyway, yes, that's what we're going to talk about uh, today in just a moment of uh, the debate back and forth, a discussion between fans about uh, how often certain characters reappear. If they reappear in other people's stories, how much uh, certain locations get revisited, does it enrich the galaxy by making it feel like, yeah, it all matters, it's all connected, or does it make the galaxy feel too small sometimes? We're going to dig into all of that. Uh, But first, that we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are still recommending Out of the Shadows by Justina Ireland. We are still going to read and discuss it. That is coming very soon. But if you want to be uh, all caught up, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audiobook. And Ken, we have another offer. We do indeed. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, The Lightsaber Collection. So pretty. So many lightsabers. Check it out with the code <laughs> FC35. That is just a great turn of phrase, and I can't wait to be anywhere where I can say, so pretty, so many lightsabers. I'm going to say that to myself the next time I go to Galaxy's Edge. I was going to say, that might be the one spot that we can use that. (laughs) Oh, I I want to walk into random rooms and be able to say, so pretty, so many lightsabers. All right, let's get into our main discussion here for the day. Uh, Fans have had varied and sometimes strong opinions about characters meeting other known characters or visiting known places. We're going to dive into this question of whether or not Star Wars is too connected of a galaxy galaxy sometimes. And Ken, I want to start by asking just the, the big picture question. Do you think the storytelling is too connected that we revisit known characters or locations too often that the galaxy feels small? I want to make sure. So, so yes, in, in, in terms of Star Wars. Okay, this is the question. My answer is no, not at all. Not too small, not too connected. I kind of uh, come down at the it's just right. I really do. I, I do want to preface this by saying this is also, uh, you know, how I look at a lot of things. I love familiarity. I don't necessarily, it's hard. Change can, change can be hard for me. Getting into new things can be hard for me. Uh, that uh, Disney Gallery look at Luke Skywalker's return had the great stuff from John Favreau talking about we all have different login profiles. That resonated with me because like even our own house, I can make a bad hack stand-up comic joke of Grace and I struggling to find one movie to watch together. It's just... It's just the way humans are, but particularly for me, when I sign in, I am more likely to watch a movie that I love from 1999 to look at something new. doesn't mean I don't. It doesn't mean that new thing doesn't because become something I love once I do see it. I'm just slow to do that. That is my point of view, and I'm carrying that, and I'm trying to own it before we really dive into this conversation. Yeah, no, I, I truly understand. You're saying a lot of great things. You're getting into some, some of the philosophy of it right away of uh, – there is a comfort in connection, not just for familiarity, which I think is often the criticism, right? Of like yeah. we're just we're just trying to make fans feel comfortable. We're just going to nostalgia. So this uh this character is coming back is often one of the criticisms. And you're saying uh that 
that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's not a cheap nostalgia. It is a comfort of the familiar sometimes. Uh, but then what the analogy that you're making, which I love is, uh, part of what is comforting about it. And I think philosophically valuable is that we can often feel very divided in real life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, by the amount of just, there's so many options and we live in a world where everything is kind of marketed to us of like, build your own little space, (laughs) you know? So this, uh, the idea of being connected isn't just, uh, I I know that character, I know that planet. So it makes me feel comfortable. They popped up. There's a, a literal comfort to, we are not all separated, right? Like mm-hmm. I have made the stand-up joke of I'm I'm afraid of a world where we're going to get to the point where like Ken, you will say to me like, um, "Hey, did you hear what's going on with Mark Ellis?" And like I'd have to say like, "Ah, oh, no, I'm not subscribed to Mark Ellis anymore." <laughs> like, right. like even friendships would be down to you know because we have those conversations about television right now of like, yeah, uh, you know, I didn't have Apple TV for a while, so like, yeah, Ted Lasso, great conversation. I can't be part of it. Right. Um, you know, so I think that there is a a philosophical comfort in the idea that connection is possible. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely there for all of, all of what you're saying, and and I'm also this idea of um, it, it might be, you know, I'm I'm a very you know introspective, reflective person. Yeah, a lot of people are. I'm not unique, but just like I love a lot of the same songs because I'm gonna dig into myself with those songs time and time again, and maybe learn something new about myself. And so when someone's like. You know, hey, oh, did you hear they announced a Kenobi series? Gosh, they're just going to the well again and there's nothing new there. And I'm like, oh, please, could we continue to analyze Kenobi? Because I learn a lot about him and myself during that. <laughs> and, and again, that's so it's a, I have to own that. And, and the other way around, that's not any less valid for my one particular friend who's always like, I wish they do something new. I, I, I contend they do do more new things than they get credit for, but that's valid from their point of view, which is why it's going to be a fun discussion today to dig in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I, I'm going to re- resist uh, diving into some of those big picture things that we're going to discuss and, uh, and or, or those smaller picture and get into my big picture. I agree with you that for me, my honest reaction is no, it, it is not too small of a galaxy. I remember those initial like uh, Darth Vader making C-3PO makes me feel like everybody's connected. And I think maybe over the years, like some of the, concern and critique has kind of flowed from little moments like that. Uh, But I think the big picture thing for me is uh, a lot of the familiar characters or places that we've encountered are particularly in recent storytelling have been so in service of the story or the theme or the generational story that I have always just felt as, um, as a viewer, as a writer, as an analyzer that, there's a reason that person is there and it's not just nostalgia or even comfort. There is a storytelling thematic reason that the character is there. So that doesn't make me feel like the galaxy is too small or that this is being done out of any sort of like fear of the people will be upset if they don't see a familiar character. It feels like it's there for the storytelling. Uh, yeah, that that big question of why we always ask, and there's different ways to ask why in Star Wars, I guess. But uh, it's it's a good it's a good check. Just check, just check the why of it, and did they use it uh, to the best of the the ability? Yeah, I, I think that more often than not is the answer. Yeah, yeah, and then I think another thing for me is a ton of our Star Wars storytelling, even across eras, ends up being in the sort of criminal underworld, right? The scoundrels, the bounty hunters, the smugglers, the information brokers. So like. Mm-hmm. 
things like, yeah, Bosk and Cad Bane and Boba Fett and Han, and like all those characters in, interlocking is like, yeah, they, they, they kind of work together. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's spread out across the galaxy, but they, they got the same job, you know, uh, in, in some way. So for me, there, there's that element of it too. And then the final thing for me is there, uh, I love genre storytelling like Star Wars that is just kind of wild and weird and totally fantastic uh, on, on the surface level, right? Of uh, laser swords and droids with personalities and all this great stuff that we love about Star Wars. But I want this kind of emotional realism. Mm-hmm. And I love the connections where there's uh, emotional realism. And you and I have been on and on about Panaka, right? Uh, yeah. And he's he's one of the perfect examples of, of this kind of thing uh, because he, nobody was ever demanding more Panaka, more Panaka. You know, he's not a fan comfort thing, but he's popped up in ways that are that give the the galaxy such emotional logic that he would yeah. he, he's obsessed with protecting uh, uh, Naboo. So he would fall in line with the Empire's kind of fear propaganda. And then he would recognize Leia as, as being Padme's daughter. And it's also emotionally logical and and emotionally true that it makes it really delicious mm, yeah that a delicious serving of emotional logic is uh, a, a <laughs> meal i didn't know i want but i've been enjoying uh every bit of it served up yeah yeah all right so those are our big pictures why we are we're happy with the amount of connection but let's dive into some of the pros and some of the cons and take a closer look at some of the details so ken for you what's an example of a character or a location popping up in a way that you really enjoy. Yeah. I got three different kind of examples, like a location, like Mustafar, every time Mustafar pops up, I'm really intrigued, especially Rogue One and, and Rise mm. of Skywalker. And then, and then they dive into it in the comics. You know, Charles soul spends a lot of time. We basically all moved to Mustafar for that comic series. I just really enjoy it. it it's something about it. And I think every time we go there for the most part, we, don't just learn something about the place. We do learn something about how it influenced the characters, what it brings to Vader specifically, uh, what it means, even if it's just for a second. I just like it, and I, I still want more, even even after some of the big deep dives, again, in the comics. So that one's there for me. Uh, I'll just run through them here, I, I guess. And, and cutting cut Sue LeQuain. Um, the coming back in Bad Batch, I, I didn't realize to me how much I just really enjoyed that and how that really worked, and that's an example of, of one of just using the characters really effectively to inform uh, and change or potentially change our main characters. And then the final big one, the one that popped up and I first went, what are you talking about? Get away. That's a big nope for me is a little character called Maul. (laughs) And that turned into some of the best Star Wars storytelling for me. So those are some examples across the board. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And Maul probably is a is such a great example because, you know, as Filoni has related it, George Lucas uh, walks up into a hallway and says, hey, uh, bring Maul back, uh, figure it out, which is the George Lucas saying to Filoni, somehow Maul returned, you figure it out. Uh, so that is almost coming from the main creator, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars, going, ah, I like that character. I want to spend more time with him, you know? Yeah. And I think that is not bad as a creative impulse to just go, what was fascinating? Uh, what feels like there was there more there that we didn't mine? And mm-hmm. I think your examples are are so pitch perfect of that of Maul. Like there's a lot more. What happens to a, a character who is hatefully raised with one purpose, and then that purpose is pulled away from them? What do they do with that? Like, and we got to explore all that with Maul. Um, 
Mustafar is such a great example because it's cool to see it. It's a cool planet. It's a symbol of of the dark side in some ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that castle's just there, and you're like, "Whoa, that says a lot." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that guy who burned and got turned into a monster here uh, would uh, have to hang his hat here, or would choose to hang his hat here. And those the questions that it raised went on to be answered in such great ways in in yeah. comics. I think that's those are great examples. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, I'll go to uh, both Luke and Boba Fett in The Mandalorian because okay. I think th- those are leaders of this this conversation of our, are we dipping into the well? Uh, I think The Mandalorian gets looked at a lot because it really started out as like, this This is a smaller story. It's just this guy that you don't know and he's just going about his bounty hunter life. Um, and then it, he starts to intersect with these major characters. Uh, but We've talked about uh, Luke recently with the return of Luke Skywalker, but it it, it is he's he's just this he's the one who would answer the call, and I feel like for me it is it is uh, eating that uh, delicious emotional logic <laughs> uh, with Luke and and Boba Fett is it to me it's this uh, again this um this emotional logic side of it of you got Din Djarin looking for Mandalorians uh, Boba Fett is somebody he might find. Um, and there is that kind of mall side of it too, of there's stuff left on the table to explore, uh, with Mm -hmm. Boba Fett of, you know, how does he feel about being a clone who is also a son? How does he feel about, he used to be the best bounty hunter in the galaxy and now he's maybe a little rusty. What does it mean to him to be a Mandalorian? We're already starting to peel back those layers. So he didn't just come back for me because people would go cool. He came back because a people would go cool. Mm-hmm. And then people would go, hmm, interesting, as we explored more about the character. Yeah, and I'm, I'm one of the ones, you know, on, on board from the from the get-go with Luke, you know, when the, even when the X-Wing first shows up. And, it, I, you know, I still didn't believe they were going to do it until until the reveal, uh, but I was on board. The Boba Fett one, I, I had a little bit of uh, curiosity at best, and, and you know, like, I don't know about that at worst. And and they won me over again because how they used it, the the why of the character, uh, and, and it hit some of the notes I wanted, some of the identity things, and then it and it really went to leaned into who Boba Fett sees himself as and and is, and so it was such an effective use and informed a lot of uh, you know information and, and and choices and stuff for for, for Din. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he will go on doing that for a little while here, it seems like. Um, I think for Planet, I jumped to uh, Ryloth and Bad Batch. um, Because Mm. for me, that is so much about this generational storytelling. Uh, Love Bad Batch because it is telling this story of of this group of clones and Omega, but it's also telling the story of this era. And Ryloth, uh, we got to know so well in the Clone Wars era. We visited in the uh, the kind of the beginning of the rebellion and the Galactic Civil War era in uh, the uh, Resistance Reborn. We got to re- revisit it in the sequel era. And Ryloth has just become this kind of planet that it always says no <laughs> to the the wave of of oppression. Right, that that's a part of what it is. So, like, of course, I want to see it in that moment in, in that great storytelling that they did of this amazing fighter of, of Champs and Dula going. I'm kind of gonna put blinders on because i just want to be done fighting so i'm gonna pretend it's not a problem when it clearly is so so much interesting storytelling uh that sometimes lucas has talked about star wars being really interested in in looking at at it 
in terms of anthropology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryloth is such a place, such a culture, such a location that has a lot to say about resisting oppression. So I'm happy to see it in a show that is about resisting this brand new oppression. Ryloth says no. That's a, that's a great documentary. Just putting it all together. <laughs> yeah, because most of the uses of Ryloth, I, I don't have a catalog in my brain right now to drop on, but most of the uses, and including Lords of Sith, are very purposeful. Like they, right. the, when you go to Ryloth, you're 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 learning some things. You're you're picking up some things about uh, the rebellion and that society and the people and what it means. Yeah, yeah. And then my final example is, uh, you know, the High Republic is this brand new era with brand new characters. Uh, but then there's still that emotional logic. There's that respect for the canon that, you know, Yoda's there being kind and, and baking things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in particular, I love that the both uh, Tara Sanube and Jarl Poof, uh, two uh, weird Jedi that I love, are are alive and well and uh, having, having opinions uh, yeah. because it, it there is this um, this nice consistency that we that even when Star Wars is saying like, hey, we really have a need, particularly on the publishing side, right, to have an open field. We need some new, right. but that Star Wars doesn't always have to be. Star Wars always has a balance of the new and the old, and and just leaning into that canon of like different species have different ages. So if a handful of these Jedi that you know uh, from the the prequel trilogy era. They're going to be around, so here they are. No big deal. It doesn't ruin anything. They're there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great little seasoning, and 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 I can't wait seasoning. to seasoning. Seasoning. Right? I'm always thinking about food. You know me. Um, but and 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 as and I'm I'm one who is enjoying all the new in High Republic, and it's mm-hmm. waves and waves and waves of new. I can't wait to see those familiar characters uh, a little more closer. I know I know Yoda's getting a little bit more in the comics right now, but like. To actually spend time with those those characters we know in this era and how they interact with the, that era and that time and the things going on is really intriguing. So even some new needs a little splash of old. Yeah, a little a little old seasoning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we shared a couple examples of uh, characters, locations popping up in a way we really enjoyed. Ken, do you have any examples of characters or locations popping up in a way that bothers you? In a way that bothers me, I, 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 I wish I... Wish I could give you an exact, like, yeah, there it is. It, you know, uh, small ones, some of the background, you mentioned like some of the the background, uh, the criminal underworld people. I don't know. Uh, did I need uh, Rothgar Den in Rise of Skywalker? Was that just too cute? Sometimes it's a little of those cameo things mm-hmm. for me uh, that sometimes rub me the wrong way. Not rub, rub me the wrong way like I get upset, but just, they just, they just, there's, they just splat up against the wall and, I keep moving on um, and I don't need to spend a lot of time with them. There's been some challenges in the comics at times, uh, mm. but nothing big for everyone that I might go, uh, there's something that like the Kira return is really potentially exciting. And I don't even haven't taken the full deep dive and we're waiting for Crimson Rain to come out. But, you know, that one worked for me where some of the, uh, the cousin of, you know, Casio tag shows up and I'm like, I, I don't know if that has any great. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the best I could do was deleted scenes. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think I, I didn't need Greedo in the Phantom Menace. Uh, so the, that deleted scenes don't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Something bad's going to happen to you one day, Greedo. Be careful. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a little on the nose, you know, and I, and I think Lucas, uh, particularly, you know, during that era, uh, you know, he made some things more connected, like Vader uh, being uh, uh, the person who who reconstructed 3PO or like Boba Fett is really, really tied into big galactic events. Um, I think for my generation, that's definitely where some of these like, ugh, Star Wars is just folding back in on itself uh, criticisms started. And then I think even in the Clone Wars era, like, George just had a real, like, I'm, you know, he's the auteur in plaid, the rebel in plaid. And like, if I want to use a character because they're cool, I'll throw him in there, you know? Yeah. You know, he's got, he's got Greedo in there having a, a hard time. And I think ultimately I'm, I'm fine with it if it doesn't, the only thing that would ever bother me is if it feels like it is just uh, nostalgia, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or... Uh, this character is a place they shouldn't be because we wanted this character there. Um, and I think sometimes, like, I get it. Um, I guess a couple things that that I that came to my mind is the the Ponda Baba and the Doctor Evazin bump in Rogue One. Like, I don't despise it; it doesn't make me mad. Um, or Finn finding the remote on the Falcon in in the Force Awakens. Right. Um, those don't upset me, but also like if they were lost from the film, I wouldn't care. You know, like, yeah. I guess maybe that's it is the the harshest thing I have to say is apathy. But I think <laughs> I think I'm apathetic about those things because they don't hold meaning. They aren't uh, yeah. put there out of like this great fear of they're not going to like Rogue One unless they see Walrus Man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're put there out of a creator loves those and gets to play in the Star Wars galaxy. So he's going to put those characters in. But they are just they're just cameos. They don't have meaning. They don't hold meaning. So I can't get mad at bad meaning because there isn't really any meaning. It's just enjoying cool things and creators indulging themselves by having something they loved pop up on screen. Yeah, totally different. And and, and like, I I would argue in in, in Bad Batch, we didn't get cameos. We got guest stars uh, and, and, and guest characters popping in there. I'm with you there. Now, one almost toss back the one, the one that, you know, almost happened to some degree, you know, we don't know to how far it might've gotten down the road, but Revenge of the Sith and like a 12 year old Han Solo, you know, appearing on Kashyyyk or something. I, I don't, I honestly don't know. We'll never know the answer of what I would have felt in 2005 and what I would have, what, what I would feel now. Uh, and would have completely change the na- nature of Solo a Star Wars story. That one to me seemed like it was correct to pull back. Like, eh, nope, nope. Bridge too far. Does not, not what we want. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know maybe it would have been different if Lucas really had a story in mind, right? Like I know he did; he had a reason yeah. that that Han was there, and you know, maybe that comes half the Clone Wars <laughs> episodes is exploring that arc. Yeah. You know, that's a whole different world. But it seemed like yeah, he, eh, it's not not worth exploring, so we didn't. Um, you know what bothers me more than than characters popping up or locations is uh, this is so weird, but Bantha references they <laughs> sometimes take me out because it feels more about like okay we the audience know banthas because it was one of the only names to memorize for a while in 1977 uh you know bantha tracks they're like we know banthas like why does the galaxy know banthas so well <laughs> i never really thought about that it's just such a yeah it's okay yeah i'm with you on that i never thought i needed it i needed to fight against it oh, no, I, okay. it's um this is so weird to me it's it's I don't know if it's the same, but like it totally makes sense. But I also have never really loved when Ian McKellen as Gandalf says, uh, as the Nazgul flies. I'm like, would you have that saying there? 
You just, but you know, now you sub in Nazgul for, I don't know about that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that was him just being witty. Yeah. yeah. And replacing one bird with the Nazgul. Like, oh, oh, you dapper man, you uh, you dapper wizard. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think that's a part of it too. And I know maybe some fans feel that way of, if I feel taken out of the world of Star Wars, Mm. That would be a time where a character location would bop and up and bother me. Yeah. Uh, but we want to move on to address uh, one of the other concerns that pop up is that uh, too many known characters might take the focus away from the main characters of a story or new characters that we're meeting. Do you think this has happened for you at all in The Mandalorian or The Bad Batch? It, it hasn't, but I will say the, the Mandalorian pushed those boundaries a bit for me. I can totally understand understand why I'm, I'm choking on my own joy for star Wars, Joseph. That's uh, the Nazgul <laughs> chokes, right? That's, that's just the way of things. Um, and I, I'm trying, I was trying to analyze like why Mando season two, number one, Mando season one did a really good job of introducing new, right? Even though there were some very familiar looking things, whether or not mm-hmm. direct, it definitely was star Wars, but we had a lot of new, Season two pushes those boundaries and maybe because it was connecting to so many sides of Star Wars, Mandalorian Wars, Jedi, this, that, Luke, Return of the Jedi itself, like all those things. So it just kind of, it challenged some of the bigger story points and expectations of of what happened, meaning, all right, what did Luke do after Return of the Jedi? Now we know we picked up Grogu. Did I agree with that or not? And I think I think it created that, a lot of that stuff. Bo-Katan showing up, like uh, you and I in, in breaking down the Mandalorian season two stuff here on Force Center, both watch the show with our, our partners who love star Wars, but have a, you know, not as deep relationship as, as you and I do because they're normal, but um, <laughs> you know, to see uh, watch grace, just kind of go, who's Bo-Katan. This means nothing to me and having a different action than me going, Oh, it's Bo-Katan. So I can see where that gave off the impression that it was just kind of this uh, forced connection times. But I think at the end of the day, when you really engage with the story, one of our favorite things to do here it didn't take away. It was all part of the journey of Din and Grogu for me. They were yeah. they were taking away something from each of those characters, even though they represented bigger parts of their own story, Bo-Katan and Boba Fett and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe like a tension in Mandalorian season two, which is pretty fascinating, is that uh, every character that Din encounters pretty much, hardly ever is anybody just, like Din runs into him and Din's like, what are you doing? Like, uh, I'm just going about my day-to-day life. I don't need anything. I'm not on a mission of any kind. Almost everyone he meets in both seasons, it, it, the, the show so is so much about need, right? Din always needs something. And that's why it's almost always a barter, right? Where Din's like, you know, I need $5. And somebody's like, well, then buy me an omelet. You know, like yeah. it's always that. And then it takes on this other weight when we have, when we meet characters that we know, right? Indeed. Because he doesn't just find Ahsoka meditating. Ahsoka has a need, right? Uh, he doesn't just bump into Boba Fett. Boba Fett has a need. He wants his armor back. You know, uh, Bo-Katan is on a mission for the Mandalorians. So I think there's that temptation to say like, well, because the character that Din Djarin is encountering isn't passive, they have an issue, a conflict, a journey that they're pulling the story away. But when you examine it, I think that's true of everybody. Frog Lady has a need in a story, right? Yes. Um, that uh, that is uh, it doesn't mean that it is becoming the Ahsoka show for that episode. It, every character he meets has a need. 
I, I, the Frog Lady one's a great example because you could have, uh, if we had happened to have met Frog Lady a few years ago, we, we might have had that same thought, right? Right. Of like, oh, oh all about her. <laughs> it really wasn't. It was about she's got her story and her journey. But yeah, you're right. Same with the Ahsoka one. There's there's things that she brings to Din, uh, sometimes literally in terms of weapons with, uh, with that um, episode. I think that's a great point. Yeah, so everybody that he's encountering, especially the big known characters, do have needs, do have a little bit of their story of their own going on, but they all funnel back to what Din needs, what Din is learning, and, and what Din is going to be caught up in in the future. So I think that's that's what makes such a big difference to me. And I feel the same way about Bad Batch, even down to that, you know, Hera, Chopper, Ryloth arc, where that one episode really is like, yeah, no, the, the Bad Batch are kind of cameos setting up uh, mm -hmm. their their next step but just even that one scene between Hera and Omega and this idea of of what is home and who do you help and why it's like it's huge it's huge storytelling development yeah the Bad Batch is, is a roll call of characters that make up uh, a, a show mostly the Clone Wars but you mentioned the Hera and Rebel stuff but I you know two shows then I should say that just recently wrapped that are so fresh in our memory so therefore, and dare I say, ergo, it's going to have the appearance of an all-star game of fan favorites. It absolutely was. Bad Batch was that. Um, but exactly what you're saying, that there, just that scene alone, to me, justifies Hera being in Omega's story and vice versa. And and again, oh, I, it's a broken record, but always about the why. And Bad Batch just for me, can, and I, I think for you, but continue to answer that why so well. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think there's this difference also between, like, Trace and Rafa don't already know the clones. They're not, so it's not like they already know each other. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that maybe sometimes it makes it smaller when everybody already knows everybody. But, you know, the Bad Batch in some ways are just victims of there being too many fan-favorite characters. <laughs> yeah. So everybody they bump into is like, that's another fan-favorite character. Yeah, well, the, tra the Trace Rafa stuff, I mean, I know we talked about it at the time, but it's like there's a case of something so new immediately felt so wonderfully old and familiar. Like, <laughs> people love them. People love those characters. But those are brand new characters that they even went in and added from the original animatic versions of the those episodes long ago that Filoni team never thought they'd release. And they put those characters in, and they're so new. But the moment someone's new, they're old right away. We're familiar with them, and they and it's they they all seem lived in anyways. So Star Wars Galaxy seems lived in, so because it is. So uh, that's a great example too of Trace and Rafa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think we're all, all on the same page that the the appearances are really not even when they have a lot of storytelling themselves, they are not taken away from the the main storytelling that's going on. In fact, they're adding to it for us. Different people might feel differently. Ken, I want to be sure to talk about this. Uh, I think that some of the pushback to familiar characters and locations popping up is a desire for totally new characters and places. Uh, do you understand that? Do you relate to that? Do you feel that yourself, the push for totally new, totally unconnected? Um. Do I understand it? Yes. Yes. Yes, I understand it. But I also, I think I'm slightly scarred, if I'm being honest, of being in what I called the Akbar Holdo Wars of 2018. <laughs> where I'm over here going, man, Holdo's this great new character. No, slothy fish mouth guy should have been it. And I love Akbar. I, you know, I love him. I really do. But. I'd fight against it because it was such a place for new and for new to be effective and, and, and to just, um, again, introduce something new that we can, we can celebrate going forward. So I, I totally understand 
new, but I, I've, I've been snarky in the past of, of it's just, it's just when you're telling these stories and these franchises and these world, just, it, it's gotta be, this is how you t- sell this stuff. <laughs> it's people <laughs> and names and houses. We know I, 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 you know, you know, I, I have one friend just really upset that season eight of Game of Thrones made this whole thing seem like it was about the Lannister Starks and Targaryens. And I'm like, y- y- yeah, yeah. You mean Game of Thrones? Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> literally what it is. It's not House Forrester or House Glover's show. Uh, one friend made a joke one time about, what do you want, Godfather 4 to be about the, the fry cook in the back of the restaurant? Like, what do you, now, that's what we do. And so some, some, sometimes that's why I push back against the pushback. I was like, no, like these characters, like I want Tobias Beckett to show up at some point in Bad Batch, or, you know, with Val. Like, give me that. <laughs> like, give me, yeah. give me those names. And they're new. Yeah, absolutely. I I want to see him. Uh, yeah, be an active. See Val be active. That's great. Yeah, and and part of it is the the they're cool. They're interesting. You want to see more, and they might travel in the same circle. Great. Um, I think for me, I do understand the desire for uh for new characters and places. I totally agree with you that that sometimes people can get so focused on the familiar that they don't appreciate the new. Right? Like yeah. Sid is new. Uh, the great uh, Trandoshan uh, barkeep and. And many nouns uh, fit her. Uh, <laughs> informant, business, Trandosian. Um, <laughs> she's so great, right? Uh, but she already feels familiar because we just we just met her. She's brand new. And, and now if there's some episode with, with her and Maz having a phone call complaining about bad clientele, which you ah. know those two characters know each other, right? Yeah. Like, oh, God, why do they got to be connected? But uh, there's there's just that desire for them to be connected because it makes sense for me. Um uh, I'm getting myself off my own train of thought here, uh, but I'll, I'll go back to the new thing. I think a part of the the discussion of Mandalorian is it started to feel like it, this is a character you don't know in a time frame that hasn't been explored as much. So you're going to maybe go to familiar places, maybe see familiar droids uh, types or species, but it's not connected to the whole big story. It's just this one guy's journey, right? And then they're like, no, we had already decided that part of what's interesting about this is here's a guy who's raising a cult who unlike tech has never read Wikipedia and he knows nothing. (laughs) And what happens when, when his journey takes him into having to understand the galaxy better. Um, But I think people really held to that initial, like it's just a lone gunslinger. So I kind of think, and I could be wrong that sometimes when people are wanting something new, what they're maybe actually really wanting and maybe I could be totally wrong is just a smaller scale story, right? Mm-hmm. Because the Mandalorian started out seeming smaller scale and now it is, he's, he's running into, can he lead the planet of Mandalore? What is actually going on with the first order and cloning? He's, he is uh, opening up these vistas into huge storytelling. And I think maybe there's just like, you know, would people be thrilled or would they be upset if Taika Waititi's movie is just like, hey, you know what? It's it's even set during the Galactic Civil War. There's a war going on in the background, but it's a conflict on one planet. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have books and comics like this, but on the big screen, if if Taika Waititi's movie is a smuggler and his droid crashed on a planet and it's just the story of them trying to get off this planet, you won't even hear the words Darth Vader. Like it's yeah. really limited in scale. Yeah. Is that Will is would that fulfill some of people's desire for uh that sense of you can tell a story in Star Wars that isn't going to connect to any of the big storytelling of Star Wars? It's the big question, the big challenge, and it's one of the things clearly we won't know until it happens. Like I'm intrigued by it because 
it would, I think I'm more open to it than I would have been years ago. Would have been like, no, nah, I definitely need some stormtroopers and please throw Darth Vader in there for all, no other reason than again, I, I understand I like the familiar a little bit more than others. But I think they're so good. You know, High Republic works for me more than I thought it would. There's another example of, I was like, I don't know any of these Jedi, maybe Earl Poof. Like that's it. I got to, I got to get to know all these new, I'm bad at making new friends, man. It's not good. <laughs> but, but the, the, and now the, you and Elzar man are exchanging friendship bracelets. It's I great. Know. Well, there it is. I have one, I have a new couple of new favorite Jedi's looking at you too, Porter. Uh, but you know, it's like, but the core of star Wars is there and that is always going to be familiar. So to your Taika Waititi idea, again, pure speculation, that would work. It would work, I think, because they would connect to the core of telling this myth. Otherwise, you know, be like going get, go to Game of Thrones. Imagine season one. Ned, I want you to come down to King's Landing. Now nah, I'm good. End of show. <laughs> and and eight seasons of the Starks up in Winterfell going. Now here's that there's some stuff going on. Yep. Not our problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, I do myself, even though I don't dislike any of the connections that have been made, I do want to see a show that is a, or a movie that is a limited scale or, or we truly don't see any of the big players just to kind of see how that feels to everybody and maybe advance this conversation. Well, you, and I'll, you know, Leslie Headland's uh, the acolyte, right? Right. There's, there's some hope there. A lot of hope because I, if, if the the initial idea of oh maybe she's doing an after series or something like that, or so, it goes oh okay yeah 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 I'm bored but but that, the 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 less we know the more I'm excited uh, about that and what it could bring so yeah we will get those tests of completely new soon yeah and I'm very very intrigued by that is there a character that you feel should be popping up somewhere that just isn't. Uh, it's so funny because I, I know we answered a, a different kind of question and my answers were similar la- <laughs> earlier this week, but I, I will never stop talking about Ray Sloan. I think there's so much to get to there and she's such an interesting character and a couple of different authors have, have, have uh, played around with that character's story and, and it works every time for me. Uh, I will not stop until I get an Infant's Nest series only because I think, you know, Aaron Kellerman did, Kellerman did such a great job. And the character design is just some of the coolest ever in Star Wars, but there's so much to tell of an era. What I what I like about the Infest Nest idea is uh, things you and I have talked about in Solo, and 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 the you know they're not the rebellion; they're just you know finding ways to to survive and, and fight back. Is uh, um, <clears throat> I don't know what's going in me today. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, you know we get this chance to to go into this era we're so familiar with between episodes three and four, but look at it in a new way with new characters. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's great. And I, I the more that kind of comes out about the, uh, the Ahsoka series, and it seems like from that appearance in Mandalorian that it, it will be the hunt for Ezra and or Thrawn. Mm. And if that's, you know, going to the unknown regions, if that's, uh, where, where the Purgles took them, if that's a uh, Purgle town, Purgle Tory, uh, the hope that we could get Ahsoka and Ray Carson on screen together is, is strong. Uh, Ray Sloan. Yes. Uh, Ray Sloan. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what did I say? Author Ray Carson shows up. <laughs> uh, re- remember earlier this week when we were talking about having a lot on our plates. Yeah. Mm. 
Ray Sloan. My apologies. My voice is given up because, yeah, I've been on air about 10 hours every day. <laughs> All right. So we'll move along here. I think uh, I'm really intrigued by um, certain ideas popping up. I know that uh, in the Vader comics, I'm getting caught up on the appearance of, uh, of, of Sabe. I think uh, I'm always interested in seeing any thread that sort of represents uh, Padme uh, popping up more in, in future storytelling. So there's that. The other thing that my mind went to is just characters that are like, that would be interesting to find out what they happened to him. Uh, I really want to know how Rod of the Hutt grew up. Oh, yeah, that's a great answer. That's a hundred percent great answer. Yes, hundred uh, percent. And and this is also in just like storytelling that has been pinned for later times. But, you know, Jason Syndulla, uh, you know, kind of children of a child of a major characters who is uh, certainly a good pilot, probably force sensitive. Uh, I'd be interested in the adventures of young Jason Syndulla. Uh, Whole room turns and looks at Filoni. What did you do, Dave? What did you do? You just, just out the door, you're like, and by the way, they have a child. It's a great moment. It it, it ends on such hope and legacy for, you know, yeah. what their relationship was and, and who Kane and what it's so great. Uh, and I'd love uh, some follow-up. Uh, this is in the just, they're cool. And it's surprising that, that people have resisted putting them in, but uh, I need some more gigs paid played by figuring Dan in the modal nodes. Oh, that's not a bad idea at all. Why not? Why not? It's just cool. And there's nothing wrong with it. Why? Why? I know legends danced uh, around them a little bit, but oh, danced with them. I should say, why? Yeah. Why is that? That's a great, is it just, just too much of a reference? I don't know. I mean, I, I love that the, when we see the canteen in the Mandalorian, it has clearly gone through some changes uh, as well as the rest of the, of the, of Tatooine. So I'm glad that they're not around, you know, they, they didn't blow up on Jabba's sail barge right. <laughs> and you know, music is needed in the galaxy. So I would love to see them pop up. That's great. Cool. Uh, is there a location that you really like to see again that hasn't popped up yet? Yeah, uh, the three, uh, indoor in full. And I know it's one of my biggest disappointments, the Rise of Skywalker. There I said it. You know, Ken's always positive. I am negative about only getting 10 seconds of Endor and a hold of okay. maneuver in the skies above it. <laughs> even, though it, it even though it is a possibility that an Ewok <laughs> performed a hold of maneuver, that's I not mean, enough. Then I needed that in the fourth act of the film. <laughs> fade out on Exegol, fade up on Endor, and an Ewok, <laughs> son of Poplu, going, yeah. As the Star Destroyer goes through. I just really love that they have graduated from one speeder bike to an entire First Order Star Destroyer. Yeah, so Endor in full. A new, is it going to be, are we going to, you know, Life Day is coming back in full. Are we going to get a new Ewok uh, movie, uh, Disney Plus? I'm there for it, I guess. Uh, Best Fin Cloud City, which potentially might be on your list as well. We both love it. And I I, I honestly really love it from the the first uh, Battlefront in 2015. Uh, roaming around there just got me daydreaming about living in, on Cloud City. So some time there. And then final one for me, and I know there was the book that had the stories. It's one of the only canon books, I, I new canon books I didn't read is, is Canto Bite. Mm. Uh, you tell me there's not potential. And I, I, I bring it up a lot, right? I pitched that like Ocean's Eleven steal from Canto Bite to help others type of story. I, a casino planet. I mean, I'm going to Vegas in two two weeks. I love, I love that setting. Give me more Canto Bite. Well, not that you're going to be able to do a lot of reading in Vegas. That, that not what it's famous for, right? The relaxed reading times uh, where they bring you free cocktails while you read. But, man, bring that Canto Bite book with you. Uh, you know, grab a copy. It, it's it, it's a really different take on Star Wars because it is really down to that granular. You know, we talk about mm. fantasy versus realism. Like, uh, 
that that's real realism of you know people winning trips to the casino planet uh, uh a, a wine dealer it's like there's some really great stories there love that i i'll put it on the list for sure yeah, I think for me, uh, I just wrote down to uh, Bespin. Absolutely, it, it's we sure. haven't revisited it because it's not an absolutely important place uh, to the galaxy, but it is just so cool. And I'm glad we didn't go there a bunch in the sequel trilogy and have half of it happen there because you don't you need to bounce the old and the new. Uh, but man, would I just love to see it again with enough space and we've left it alone for enough time. I just mm-hmm. I love the space; it's so cool, and you can do some great storytelling there. Uh, my big one that I really want more than everything, anything is Naboo. Um, because I do think it's pivotal to the galaxy in lots of different eras. It's where Palpatine came from, right? Um, mm-hmm. there, there's so much storytelling possibility. It's another element that, that could tie to the legacy of Padme. It's a place to explore what happened to Gungans and, and Jar Jar. I know we've got the one scene but in, in the Aftermath book, but I'd love more of it. I just, I really want the Bad Batch to go to Naboo. Uh, I'd love to see Naboo it, after the events of the sequel trilogy or, you know, uh, who was sent from Naboo in the citizens fleet. Like right. I, I, Naboo, Naboo, Naboo. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm on team Naboo, team Endor, all of them. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to wrap up our conversation about a connected galaxy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J E N I L A N D A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of a connected galaxy in Star Wars. Uh, We talked about some of the little details there. I kind of want to get into some of the philosophy here, Ken. I want to talk about destiny. This is something that I see people bring up in on social media when this conversation is happening, that Star Wars is a story uh, about destiny and fate. Do you like the idea that some people feature prominently in the stories of Star Wars uh, because it's the will of the Force? Yeah, I can get behind that idea, particularly if it's like this person is continuing to bring you choices or bring you information that um, fuel your choices and, and, and fate being that journey to a point of big choice. Right. I, I, I like that idea. I, I think it can be uh, kind of fun. Like I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. I'm just, you know, it's what what's the what's the destiny version of uh, ha- Leia telling Han? Uh, we ran into some old friends on the Death Star. <laughs> like <laughs> there's something about that that kind of works for me. And it, it could be someone like Maz Kanata showing up for a lot of different people and having just uh, just enough t- the force uh, knowledge and just the force kind of nudging around or, or maybe the force creating like. You know, even in this pirate cafe that Maz runs, uh, there's a lot of light side there, a lot of information, a lot of good points of view that she needs to share. I, so I just overall, I do like the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in the in the Skywalker saga in particular, that's a, a part of the story that maybe it's the will of the force. Maybe it is uh, just that these characters are involved in in major events. They have power. Uh, they have motivation to be involved in things, so they're going to be drawn together. But I, I just, I love the way the beginning of A New Hope works, that it, it feels like uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan said, we'll wait until the time is right. And how could Obi-Wan have any question if the time is right of like, 
the Empire is breathing down the neck of the Skywalker twins, and they don't even know it. And the Skywalker twins are coming together. And even those damn robots are here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From what we want's perspective, it's like, uh, sometimes the force uh, gives you a nudge and sometimes the force pushes you off a cliff. Right. Um, <laughs> I kind of like that. I like that. That is a possibility of, of a way to interpret these stories because it, it feels like real life to me. Like no matter what you believe. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I did a show for two years every Monday night uh, in Minneapolis, which is uh, ironically partially about uh, fate and destiny is a uh, romantic comedy that was based on choose your own adventure novels where the audience got to vote. Mm-hmm. and I had decided it was time to wrap it up. And the last few uh, uh, times we performed that, there was a massive problem every time. I had, like, one performer uh, get sick and have to vomit during the show. <laughs> I had, like, another performer have to drop out of the show at the last minute because, like, a, a family thing. And it was just like, universe, I get it. I already told you I'm wrapping up the show. <laughs> yeah, done. You know, so you have those experiences in real life, regardless of belief, that it does just feel like, yeah. The universe is speaking. Listen. Yeah, I've got one in my life professionally. <laughs> That's also playing over personally. Just like, oh, yeah, okay, this this is coming to an end. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think there's also this interesting part. We, we talk a lot about destiny uh, as it is leading you to the point of choice, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me that certain characters, Saw Guerrero popped to my mind as you were talking of, a character who pops up all the time because that character is constantly making choices, constantly doing things, right? Yeah. If you are at all involved in the possibility of rebellion, that man's going to pop up <laughs> because yeah. he is not sitting. He is not waiting. He is taking action. So, you know, when you look at some of these characters, we meet the characters who are choosing to take action and make a difference because, of course, they're going to end up in people's way because they're doing things. You know, it's the difference between if you've got a friend who doesn't leave the house much, you're not going to bump into them. Your friend who has eight jobs and it wants to engage in every element of life, you're going to bump into them out in the world. The Sagarera one's a great example because, again, he, he's just, like you said, he's out there doing it. But but and each time he shows up, he seems to provide a similar but a, a varied lesson for all the characters involved. Dare I say when he pops up for Mothma, she doesn't want to hear any of the lessons and maybe he doesn't hear any of hers. But, yeah, that's a great example of someone that has popped up a lot with different characters and it works every time. Yeah, and it works because they're a very uh, motivated, forward-moving character. Yeah. Uh, If not forward-moving emotionally, (laughs) forward-moving in actions and things he would like to blow up. Um, Tatooine comes up in these conversations, so I wanted to talk about kind of the philosophy behind Tatooine. Uh, How do you feel about this idea that a remote planet that, in theory, no one really cares about too much is at the center of so much storytelling? What, What does that say about Star Wars? Yeah, look, not everyone grows up in a small, dusty town on the edge of the larger story, right? But everyone grows up, and everyone grows up feeling that you are on the edge of it, right? That's youth. That's that that twin sunset moment connects so powerfully to so many people because you don't have to be, you know, have been raised in Modesto uh, like George looking out. We all know that feeling. And so to me, that represents home or what was home and who was home and might be home again or might be home now. And that's always a presence in our own stories. So Tatooine has, has represented that to me, uh, even uh, in, in events and stories and characters inter- interacting in a, in a fresh way for them, even, even if I should say, uh, meaning like uh, it, a lot of different characters might interact with Tatooine, Tatooine, but for us as fans, 
that's some that represents the idea of home and the idea of where we were and where we wanted to go. And, and, and sometimes you check in home is always present in our own lives in some way. You can't go home again. Sometimes you have to. What does that mean? Daydreams about should I go back? And so Tatooine just has that for me. And it connects also to that baked in nostalgia with Star Wars. Yeah, I think so. I, I love that idea that like even if you kind of can't go home again, it, it home the idea of it, the place often lives rent free in your head, right? And it's this yeah. comparison, like you're saying, of of where I started and and where am I in com- contrast to where I started. Uh, I think that's great to think of Tatooine uh, just uh, uh, symbolizing that for a lot of the characters and, and us, the audience. I also just think, you know, starting out with its kind of initial purpose of it's this nowhere planet where this once great uh, person is hiding out and where this kid that think that nobody thinks matters at all is actually very, very important in this totally unimportant place suddenly finds itself mattering to the, the galaxy. I, I think mm-hmm. as a planet, Tatooine is a part of this big statement that Star Wars makes so many times that everyone and everywhere matters, right? Mm-hmm. And and then on top of it, you have this this interesting story that, well, it actually does kind of matter at times because it's a crime hub, right? Yeah. We get that in the, the Clone Wars animated movie that the Jedi are going there to bend the knee to Jabba the Hutt to get access to his hyperspace lanes because the fact that it's a crime hub does kind of matter and that makes it an interesting bit of storytelling too of like uh okay well well tatooine at times does matter uh but we're not going to deal with it (laughs) like the jedi the rest of the galaxy the the senate like yeah don't go there it's it's just crime (laughs) and that's an interest suddenly an interesting story of why do we think it doesn't matter because there's a problem there that we don't know how to solve yeah there you go there you go yeah uh, so going off on on that general theme that everybody matters uh, and this idea that we are all connected, Star Wars is explicit that uh, it's this idea of the force that connects us, um, but it's there in, in important lines like Anakin quoting his his mom back to her and, and saying, you know, the big problem in the galaxy or the universe is that we, we don't help each other. Uh, Star Wars feels strongly that we are all connected and what happens to one of us matters. Uh, to all of the rest of us. Does embracing that theme change how you think about the fact that characters meet each other very often in these stories? It just kind of confirms it. Uh, you know, I, I wish uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan told Boss Nass, you know, we're all a circle and you're going to see some friends soon that you didn't think you'd see again, but they're here. Uh, I think it could work. No, it, it just, you know what I mean? Like if you take it down and you, you and I here kind of deconstructing the idea of a connected galaxy. And sometimes you want to question it and challenge it and look at it and poke and prod it. And then you kind of put it back together and go, yeah, it, it is as it, as it should be. And this, that idea you're talking about, which begins in episode one. Um, um, I know that's not release order, but it carries out. And it just kind of makes me feel that uh, it should be connected in that kind of way. I always want new characters, always want new planets, but when the people show up, it has meaning because it's part of the story. Yeah. I think that's what I come down to, too, is you can really get into the the functional. Was that a cameo? Was that done too much for nostalgia? Did that character take the focus away from this character? You can really ask those, you know, important uh, narrative questions about each individual story. You know, we kind of did that in the, the first half. I think those are legitimate. I think they should be expressed. But I think there is this this sense of uh, of destiny and fate and connection and this idea that there is... Uh, that the galaxy is is huge, it's endless and vast, and somehow within this endless vastness, we are all still 
connected to one another, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's baked into even the first movie when when Luke says, oh, it's all just so far away from here. Mm-hmm. And wise old Obi-Wan says, uh, that's your uncle talking, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always felt like that's, you know, Luke is literally saying in that scene, I can't get involved. It's not my problem because it's far away or I can't do anything about it because it's far away. And it seems to me like Star Wars had that philosophy of like, we are all in this together. So there's no point too remote that you can't connect to it. There's no person too remote that you can't suddenly find yourself connected to them in some way. So there's just like, I don't know, this sense of connection in Star Wars almost has a a moral quality to me that we are connected. Yeah, well, look, and not to, you know, dump on old uh, Phil Brown as uh, Uncle Owen. He's doing his job. He understands, <laughs> you know, he understands who Luke is and and he's, and he, but you know, that's, that, that's someone fighting that connection. Luke, even on Octo is fighting that connection. He's cut off connection with the force. And anytime a character does this, the force itself has some thoughts on uh, isolation and not being plugged into the rest of the story, the rest of the people and the rest of the galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I also wanted to reflect a little bit of, of real life because this uh, question about realism can come up of like, Oh, why is that? Why is Bosk everywhere? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, in real life, can you think of a, a time that you bumped into someone you know at a place or time you did not expect? Yeah, first of all, any teacher, right? Uh, growing up, uh, <laughs> this is Collins like tacos. What's she doing here? Uh, <laughs> that ain't right. That ain't right. Yeah, there's one specific example that uh, had an effect on me, and I, I, I think about it often. Uh, I'd uh, done a lot of sketch comedy training stuff in the early 2000s at the Groundlings, and was in the LA kind of sketch scene for a little bit, and. Uh, one of my friends there was uh, Mikey Day, great, great Star Wars fan, by the way, goes on to be on SNL and everything where he is now and, uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, but mid 2000s, after all that, I was I was still in my day job, which I felt really bad about. And, you know, it's hard to you look at other people's success or what they're doing and you kind of you know, cr- contrast and compare. And I was really just really down on myself. And I turned the corner at work in full uniform and I didn't like people seeing me in that. And there's Mikey. And Mikey hadn't been on SNL yet, but, he, you know, he was doing Wild and Out and all this stuff and great great guy and everything. And I, I immediately went red with embarrassment. Mm-hmm. He was happy. He was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I ran into you. And I'm like, I literally said the words, please don't tell anybody like what I'm doing, like how I live. Like <laughs> really uh, like Lenny and Simpsons, please don't tell anyone how I live. And uh, <laughs> he... He and, and our friend, uh, another guy named Andrew Friedman, uh, uh, who character actor and Glow and Always Sunny did a lot of things like that. And they just will, they kind of laugh, but then like, they, like they both are like, no man, like th- it's all good. This is where you are. And, and it's not where you're going to be. Like we literally had this philosophical moment and oh, sweaty, embarrassed Ken was just like, you know, late twenties going, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed. Please don't tell anyone I failed. And, and it was a real jarring, small connection now, look, L.A. is a small city, so it's not like I was on another planet. But you know what I mean? Like, I had kept those two worlds apart. Right. I'm over here in this world, work-a-day work a world, and, and, that, and that creative pursuit world, I don't like them to cross over because I'm not secure of where I am. It was a real powerful reminder that the world's connected, and then you can take lessons from those connections when they happen. Yeah, man, that is that's a very Star Wars interaction because, yeah, I mean, maybe you maybe you thought about a different life path, but you've gotten so much uh, wisdom and life experience and so much of who you are is is your experiences in that job. And, you know, that's a real them popping up and going, no, uh, you matter because you're you because you're a person and you have talents and skills. And yeah, that's a great story. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was it was hard to be at the moment there. Right? 
I understand. I definitely understand. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, LA is a large city. Uh, there's definitely times like, yes, I've bumped into people I know from the movie talking world at theaters and uh, part of you wants to go, wow, LA is so large. How did this happen? Cause they talk about movies and it's a movie theater, you know, and it's not a shocking thing. Um, but I've had a couple ones. I went to San Francisco to do a comedy show once and I didn't end up talking to the person, but, uh, at the time, the only other human I knew in San Francisco walked right past me. Like <laughs> yeah. that, those kind of things that are just like, I truly knew no other human except for that one. And, and, you know, and it, and it wasn't in any sort of like, well, right. Well, we'll write at the theater where he like, it wasn't that at all. It was just yeah. the galaxy's weird. Um, yeah. And then like another one for me of, you know, LA is a, a pretty big town and you don't always bump into people, you know. Uh, but I had a time where some friends from Minneapolis were visiting they were already at the bar. Uh, this was at night and my wife, Sarah and I were running late to meet them. Uh, so we parked the car and we weren't running, but we were race walking. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly I hear somebody going, Hey, Hey, Hey. And I was like, Oh boy, I don't know if, you know, I did, I park somewhere I shouldn't and Is somebody going to give me a hard time and I turn around and it's another friend from Minneapolis who is good friends with the friends from Minneapolis that I'm about to meet who is visiting L.A. for entirely different reasons. See? And it would be odd enough that I would bump into him. Uh, it, but then I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to go. I'm meeting our other mutual friends from Minneapolis. <laughs> Did you yell, sorry, uh, only new characters? <laughs> no, it's like this does not resonate narratively. <laughs> there's no emotional logic here no i mean we uh, hugged and talked and we're both like this is so weird this is so wild this is so great and i think you know the reason i wanted to spend some time on this uh, is yep absolutely sometimes yeah, a character that a creator loves just gets put in put in put in hondo was wherever hondo needed to be because people in the clone wars and rebels loved hondo in, and so did the audience so I, I haven't heard a lot of uh hondo grumbles o over the years but sometimes yeah. yeah characters pop up because the audience and the creators like them uh, but sometimes there's that pushback of like, well, why did this character pop up there? And like, I don't know, it feels like Star Wars to me. It feels like fate and destiny and connection and what happens if you happen to bump into that person. And for me, it, it, it was fun to take a moment and celebrate like we've all got these stories, right? It happens. You bump into people uh, at times and places where y you don't expect to. Totally. Totally. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when when uh, Din runs into Saw Gerrera, <laughs> just just accidentally, uh, that will be an interesting story. Uh, here's my final question for us here, Ken. If you are going to bump into a Star Wars character in real life, who do you want to bump into and where? Oh, man, I, I definitely think I definitely think I want to bump into like uh, maybe like a Lobot type. A lobot type or actually lobot? Well, a lobot, I guess. Not not like Josh Gad's character with the <laughs> imprints, implants. Um, yeah, something like that where it's just like we don't have to because sometimes the hassle of but like the story you just told is great. Uh, you know, mine was rough but actually important and poignant. Sometimes you run into people and you're like, this was a great moment. Wow, that's great. I don't have time. I just feel that Lobot would be the one that you could always bump into. It would be a warm moment, a connection, but then you wouldn't have a long conversation. <laughs> right. Stop and talk, talks. You just, you, you tap your watch and he understands because he's got one too. Yeah. Yeah. And you go on your way. Yeah. I, I wanted to answer uh, Obi-Wan in a bar. That's probably my, my true answer. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to walk into uh, Musso and Frank in the afternoon and, and go to the bar and just have Obi-Wan in full Jedi gear sitting there. 
<laughs> sipping a cocktail. Uh, but I wanted to have a different answer than Obi-Wan as well. So it, this one, I think, would be a little frightening, but also really cool, really interesting. Uh, I want to go into a goth club and Asajj Ventress is there hanging out. <laughs> Just don't look at me. <laughs> Just having a drink and enjoying herself because she deserves it. Love that. Well, that's our big look at a connected galaxy, some of the reasons that we feel comfortable with it and trying to to see it from some other points of view as well. Uh, But I hope that everybody listening is having good experiences uh, with their own connected galaxy and bumping into the people and the places they want to bump into. That started out really nice and then (laughs) went off the rails. So I'm going to stop now. Ken, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter. You can connect there uh, at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast is available on a lot of different spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google podcast that you tune in amazon music and uh, spotify if i didn't say that already a lot of choice you know just search you'll find us uh merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center we uh, can be supported directly at patreon.com slash force center uh always excited to have new patrons on board if you support now at the top uh two tiers just one time you get a commemorative force center 1000 1,000 uh, poster. Also, I, I saw a question recently. Someone said, hey, I'd love to support you. I, I don't really use Patreon. Uh, Anchor has that ability as well to directly support the show. You can check it out there. Usually best if you go to the Anchor app. Uh, you can uh, follow me at Cadnapsock or go to Cadnapsock.com for information on all the things I do, including upcoming comedy appearances, other shows, including my new rock radio show, Pop Rock and Radio on Mixcloud. Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website for all of my other comedy adventures. That website is josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, that is our examination of a connected galaxy. So for myself, for Ken, for bumping into Lobot at the mall, this has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.